thanks to our friends at Goo for their continued support. Goo makes nutrition and hydration products to nourish and inspire everyone to experience the joy of movement in whatever form they choose. Gels, chews, stroop waffles, hydration tabs, and more. Save 25% on all Goo orders of $50 or more with code AMRGOO25 at gooenergy.com. This episode is sponsored by Hydro, a state-of-the-art at-home rowing machine that delivers the ultimate full-body workout. To save up to $500 off your Hydro today, go to hydro.com and use code AMR at checkout. Be sure to stick around to the end of the show because Coach Liz and I are going to be doing our Miles of Books segment for the month. Welcome to another Mother Runner. This is Sarah Bowen Shea. I am joined today by Liz Waterstrot. Hello, Liz. Hi, Sarah. So I am a sweaty, sweaty mess. And do you know why? Should I guess or or should I just let you go with it? (laughs) I'm going to guess pickleball. Pickleball. Okay, I'm going with pickleball. If you had guessed pickleball and running, you would have been right. Either answer would have worked because (laughs) I played two hours of pickleball and then, you know, we've had this deep freeze here in Portland, Oregon. And so finally things have melted and the streets are 98% clear except for loads of down trees. And Mm. so I got back from playing that and I was like, Ooh, I have time. I can go on a two mile run. And I am wearing shorts because that's usually what I play pickleball in. And it is so warm here that I was fine in that and a long sleeve, lightweight wool shirt. And I went out and just busted a move. <laughs> I ran yeah. for, for me two fast, fast miles, like my race pace. So, um, and yeah, then came in, whipped off my sports bra and my shirt and put on a sweatshirt. And here I am, sweaty Betty. <laughs> Oh boy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, and it is a, because I can run. I just was like, you know what? I have been trapped inside for too long. I'm just doing it. I know probably coach Liz would be like, oh, you should have warmed up and cooled down. And oh all that stuff. yeah. Mm-hmm. I was going to mm-hmm. say there's quite a few things wrong with this scenario and coaches Liz, <laughs> coach Liz eyes, but um, yeah. Okay. You know what, Sarah? It was great that you got out there. Mm, I think so too. And listen to some Tay Tay while I was running, I was in heaven. So, <laughs> oh. <laughs> yes, yes. So, are you able to work out outside? You you run outside year round or no? Well, it's been a little tricky lately uh, because of the, the. It's been very cold here, and when I say very cold, it's been you know below zero. So mm. that's mm. that's not exactly ideal outside anything weather. But mm-hmm. I have been swimming. I have been Good. swimming and. Mm-hmm tell you a little funny story about swimming lately. Yes. So, you know, last year I joined a fancier gym only for the pool and Mm -hmm. it comes at a high price tag, but it's very close to my house. So I felt it was worth it. Excellent. So in the last two weeks, the water in the pool has been so cold, like, like cold enough where I had goosebumps the entire swim. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I thought... At first I thought this is a fluke. Maybe I'm just, I'm just having a cold day. I'm having a cold flash here in the pool, (laughs) but then it happened again and again. And 
I had to ask other people who swam. I'm like, is it really cold in here today? And and one <laughs> woman said, I could probably count this as a cold plunge. So <laughs> I knew it wasn't wow. just me. So I I found the contact form on the gym's website, and I just uh-huh. very politely, you know, tactfully wrote to them and said, you know, listen, it's it's cold. <laughs> My mm-hmm. my lovely Coros watch tells me it's seventy six <laughs> to seventy seven degrees, which oh my it, gosh, yes, that's cold. So you know USA Swimming, their competition pool suggestion is seventy eight to eighty one degrees, mm-hmm. and then I also told them that you know if if this was open water, USA Triathlon would consider it wetsuit legal. So <laughs> I, I had to pull out a few a few bits of authority. It wasn't just yes. going to be like, here's this crazy woman complaining. Right. So, it's cold. Um, it's cold. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. So I, the manager got right back to me and he was very nice about it. But at the same time, he was basically like, we're within one degree of what should be comfortable. You crazy lady. <laughs> so anyway, so anyway, I was like, okay, whatever. I've made my point. I feel better about it. Uh-huh. So I went this week, I went today mm-hmm. and I'm getting ready in the locker room and there's this woman at the end of the bench and mm-hmm. I go there right when the water aerobics classes are done. And she looks mm-hmm. at me and she goes, you going in the lap pool? I said, yeah, yeah. She goes, it's warmer than last week. And I thought, oh, oh, okay. Now we're on to something, you know? <laughs> and I said, well, that's good because last week I complained about it. She said, oh, I complained too. And I thought, this is fantastic. I have just met the queen bee of water aerobics and we are going to form this alliance together to keep this pool warm. So we had this whole lovely conversation about pool temperatures and she she actually went in person to complain and they Ooh. cited some sort of like department uh, regulation that they were following. And she, so she oh. suggested they go to the health department and revisit that guideline. Oh, she was wonderful. But, uh, yeah, but she was right. The pool was, it was at least one to two degrees warmer today, which is a step in the right direction. So it really should be 80 for it to be comfortable. Oh my God. I think. I mean, I actually, I love swimming in cooler water, but I can't believe that there was not an uproar about the cold yeah. water. I mean, and also do it, it's, you said it was a lap pool. So do children not go in the pool? No, they have a, they, they have a leisure pool for the kids oh, and okay. you can swim in there, but it's a really odd length. It's like a 15 yard lap Oof. lane that mm, they have no. there. So I never go in there. Plus I think that's really more for like water walking and water sizing, mm-hmm. but, mm-hmm. um, this is a lap pool and there's lap swimmers. There's there's water aerobics there for three hours in the morning, but then you won't see those those mm-hmm. um, patrons in there anymore. But I'm surprised because usually at my last pool, if it was like below eighty, the oh. water aerobics women were on it. They were not happy. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And I mean, when my pool, my pool, I act like I own it. The pool at the club where I swim. I remember they had some problem with their heater and they put up a sign on the door and, you know, like, and I don't know, maybe it was 78 or something and people just were staying away from it. So (laughs) it's cold. (laughs) It's yeah, it's, it's cold. Every degree below 80 matters. I think <laughs> you're gonna wear a shirt that says that. I should. <laughs> or you should get the manager a, a sticker. A yeah. Yard sign. <laughs> yard, right. I'll just put it right in the manager's like front of his office. <laughs> I represent the alliance of people who feel every degree below 80 matters. <laughs> right, right. Don't mess with a 45 to 85 year old woman about this. And of course, I text Coach Jen. 
And she's she's all over this because this is right up her alley to do some type of a complaint about temperature. If you if you recall our experience together in um, Hilton Head that one year, yes, yes, <laughs> yeah. So so she's all over this. Oh my gosh! And speaking of Coach Jen, I'm gonna let her in. Um, <laughs> hello, Jen. I will turn on my camera for one second. We were um, just laughing about Liz's overly chilly lap pool. Oh, yeah. And how you would not have stood for that. You would not have <laughs> suffered those fools. <laughs> no, that, that pool would have been fixed the next day. <laughs> Jen Harrison would have been in her ugly bathing suit, which is not ugly at all. It's, it's like rainbow. And she'd be in there in the manager's office in her swimsuit, in a towel, her Birkenstocks on, complaining, <laughs> complaining like that. <laughs> that, that's a true statement. I have lots of swim stories for you. Elizabeth already knows all of them. I don't stand for it. I'm like the mayor in the pool. And I'm like the, I'm like the middle-aged woman who's like pissed off about over the temperature. Right now, I'm on the kick of uh, the pool being filthy dirty, and I can't stand it. Oh, <laughs> what makes you think that? It, please don't tell me there's hair in the pool. I can't oh, stand. Sarah, oh, hair would be... Hair would be wonderful, but we've got oh. band-aids and fingernails and sand. Oh. Sand. Stop. sand. We live in Chicago. Oh. Sand. So. sand. Well, no, oh, that's I love from, you saying sand, listen. repeating sand. It's the fingernails that got me. No yeah. way, no how. The sand is, and I know this because I, I manage the pool down the street in the summer. Um, the sand is from the filter. They probably have a broken filter. Yeah, so that's a bigger right. that's a bigger issue. If that if that doesn't get mm. resolved, they're gonna have to close that pool. I Replace know. that mm. sand filter. So be careful. Be careful about complaining. Yeah, right. Because the pool will be closed, but I get to go to Tucson where everything runs smoothly oh. in the pool. So they can close True. that pool and fix that pool. Yeah, all. for the entire month of February. <laughs> <laughs> bye bye. <laughs> All right. Well, we are not talking about swimming on today's, no more swimming talk on today's episode. <laughs> we are talking about how to build speed. And I want to make clear to be a runner, you don't ever need to try to run fast. We are all about forward motion at any pace here at Another Mother Runner. But that said, if you are curious about how to cover a mile in less time, or you know for certain that you want to nail a race time that involves running faster than you do now, this is the episode for you. And as you'll hear, we took questions from a range of athletes on our Facebook page from walkers to front of the pack runners. And I do have an overarching thought that that speed means different things to different people, and it can mean different things to the same person, depending on where they are in their training and their life, their age, um, all those good things. So our guests are, as you've heard, uh, <laughs> we've kind of jumped into it. They're familiar to you from a couple of minutes ago and from past episodes Co-host Liz Waterstrot is one of them. She's going to be switching over to being a guest. And I have with her, her coaching partner, Jennifer Harrison. Both gals are coaches in our Train Like a Mother Club, both for heart rate training programs and our triathlon programs. They're also seasoned veterans of hundreds of triathlons and running races, and they often end up with podium finishes. So they have honed their own speed over the years. So welcome back to the program, Jen and Liz. Thank you. Hi. Yeah. 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 All right. So before we jump into how to build speed, tell me what are your tentpole athletic events coming up this year? Jen, I'll throw it to you first. Okay. Well, speaking of speed, since we are talking about that, I'm actually uh -huh. doing a lot of um, short course races this year. So mm. I'm doing a swim meet in a couple of weeks. 
mm-hmm. down in Arizona, just the 1650, which is the mile and some other fun things. Mm. And then some short course races, uh, triathlon, of course, draft legal, short course nationals, stuff like that. That's the kind of stuff that kind of gets me fired up. Mm. Very specific with that draft legal. Are there, is there a <laughs> short course race that is draft illegal? Yep. So there's oh. a draft legal one in Omaha in June and a mm-hmm. draft that is not okay to draft at mm-hmm. nationals in Atlantic City in September. So I usually do both of those. Oh, okay. And do they call it something then draft not okay? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's kind of confusing. Triathlon's confusing. Okay. I don't know why they make it so confusing, but it's uh, they're both national championships events. One is just called draft legal sprint. And the other one is called the Sprint National Championships, and everybody knows you can't draft. Okay. <laughs> Super scientific. <laughs> little secret handshake, a wink and a mm-hmm. nod. and mm-hmm, Okay. All right. And Liz, how about you? I'm just going to follow Jen around. <laughs> <laughs> but don't draft in Atlantic City, okay? Uh. No. No. Uh, I, I still haven't decided. I'll probably mm. do some of the events that Jen is doing. I might mm. toss in a half Ironman here mm. or there. Um, I, I just haven't decided yet. First, I have to decide what we're doing for spring break because that will impact what I can do okay. after that. Yeah, uh-huh. uh, just, uh-huh. you know me, one month at a time. Very good. Very good. I like the priorities. Okay, so we're painting with a broad brush here. Liz, what are the key components to building or maintaining speed? Because it's not just a question of going out and running faster. Sure. I would say that there's there's five key components or building blocks to getting faster. The first one would be mental. You have to want to go faster. You have to be willing to suffer. No one gets faster without some level of discomfort. So you have to want that. You have to be strong. You have to be, you know, durable and strong enough to be able to handle an increase in load from the speed that you're trying to do. I would say you also have to be fit. There needs to be a base level of fitness to be able to support that faster work. Mm. The fourth one would be economical. So economical means that you have good form. You're not leaking speed through wasted energy from from just bad form. Uh, And the last thing would be, above all, you have to be consistent in your training. And, And that really is the best thing for speed over the the long run, so to speak, is just that consistency, not missing, you know, weeks and months due to injury. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. I didn't see that answer coming at all. I love it. Oh, so, okay. Oh, thank, thank you. you. Yeah. Yes. Okay. yes. <laughs> Thanks for keeping me guessing. So, okay, Jen. So is there one surefire speed builder that folks can focus on or is it a cocktail of various ingredients like hill repeats, tempo runs, track workouts? all that good stuff. Yeah. I wish it was one easy magical (laughs) button we could all press and get faster, but unfortunately it doesn't work like that. And it kind of, and us coaches are notorious for saying it depends, but Mm -hmm. it depends. So let me specify it a little bit better. And Elizabeth kind of introed it with her five components, but some of the things that really help people get faster, number one, and this goes to Elizabeth's fifth point is kind of the consistency. You have to have a base of fitness before you can start adding in the speed. And mm-hmm. I think we'll talk about this a little bit later when some of the questions might kind of surround with, ba- you know, if do we start with base fitness before speed or speed before base? Mm-hmm. So having a base fitness and keeping your easy runs easy and mm-hmm. 
creating this ability, this aerobic endurance is the biggest factor in determining speed. Without that aerobic endurance, we can't, that's like the foundation of the house. And if we don't have that, then we can't move into things that are notoriously known to make us faster. The fart mm-hmm. licks, the, the hill workouts, the intervals. And so that aerobic endurance is first and foremost. And most people mess that up. They mess mm-hmm. that up because they're not patient enough for that. Mm. I love that, that you're saying that part of getting faster is making sure that you spend enough time going slower. Yes. And people don't like it. It's counterintuitive. People, I was just having a conversation with an athlete this morning with the same concept, except just in swimming. And she's like, well, I don't want to swim slow. How am I going to get faster? Or same with running. And like, well, without the, that's how people get injured. So Mm. people are going out and just willy nilly adding in hill repeats or willy nilly adding in intervals or, you know, eight by one minute without having this, this foundation of aerobic strength and sustainability. Mm -hmm. Well, that leads right into Monica's question. Like I said, we took some from Facebook. So Liz, Monica asks, how do I build speed without getting injured? I know I need to build slowly over time. So she's got that in mind. But every time I get going, the wheels fall off and I get injured. That's a great question. I think we've all bumped up against that at some point. I would think at the at the minimum, before you can introduce speed work, you should have a solid six months behind you where you are running, let's say, three by one hour easy each week. Mm. Once you've achieved that and you're injury-free, then you can look at starting to add in speed work. So first with Monica, I would say make sure you're starting out from just what Jen talked about, that solid foundation. Because if you if you skip that phase, if you rush it, if you make your easy runs more steady to moderate than easy, then you will break down if you're trying to do the speed work. The other thing with speed work is it needs to be introduced gradually. So you might start with just doing strides. If you've ever done one of Coach Jen and I's programs with AMR, our programs include strides, those little bursts of speed. That's just so you develop the skill and and the coordination neuromuscularly to be able to do the faster work ahead. Um, Mm -hmm. Other things you might look at What's the surface that you're doing your speed work on? Some people just don't respond well to going hard on pavement because pavement is hard. And the harder you hit the ground, the harder it hits you back. So some people might need to do their speed work on a treadmill because it's a little more forgiving or on a track, a rubberized track surface because it's more forgiving. Mm -hmm. And then lastly, I would say, maybe look at your form. Maybe there's something in your form that you're doing that when you start to go harder and faster, it just sort of exponentially increases and it just mm. puts more load on you and you're breaking down somewhere. Hmm. Hmm. How do you think, follow up on that a little bit, how do you think people could figure that one out? Do you think that's a question of going to your local running store and having somebody look at that? Or is that going to see, you know, a PT or a athletic trainer or I don't know who? Well, I think first, start with your own history and training program. So injuries tend to leave clues. Hmm. I find that sometimes, you know, people get injured in the early spring as they transition from running a lot indoors to running outside again. Or maybe she finds that 
she is doing a track workout and she's more likely to get injured when she's on the track. So you have to sort of look for those clues first and see like, like, what is it? Is it a certain mileage or type of workout or at certain speed? Like maybe she's okay picking up the pace to 10 K, but when she tries to go faster than that, there's something um, that just breaks down there. And then beyond that, sure, you could, you know, you could go to your PT and see what they think. You could have a run form analysis done. You could even have a, a good quality running store, look at your shoes and your feet just to make sure you're in, in the right shoe for what you're trying to do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, I love you putting the, the, the power in people's own hands by saying, look at your past injuries and see if there's a trend. I think that's um, oh, yeah. empowering. Yeah. I mean, yeah. awareness, awareness is so much of being mm-hmm. an athlete and progressing as an athlete. If you're just sort of like blindly going along, just checking boxes and doing programs, and then you mm-hmm. hit the same, you know, wall in, in mm-hmm. any program you do, then you need to be more aware. Like something's not working and you have the power to figure that out inside of you, but you have to sort of tune in and do a little further investigation to figure that out. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay. And I don't think sometimes, just to add on to that, I don't think sometimes mm-hmm. people take a, the ability to to kind of grab the low-hanging fruit. And some mm-hmm. of the low-hanging fruit in getting faster are the things that people won't do. Um, mm-hmm. Elizabeth talked about it a little bit, but stuff, which I'm sure you know we can get more into, but things like, I think sometimes people would just willy-nilly go out and run. Without, mm-hmm. if you're not following oh, yeah. a training plan, <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. guilty as charged, like, raising like my hand over just here, just running two miles because <laughs> yeah. you can. Right before a podcast recording, uh huh. Yes, yes. Go ahead, Christian. Yes, I wasn't insinuating anything. <laughs> uh, and some, and there is a benefit and a luxury of going out and just running. We all like to do that, but mm-hmm. when you're trying to get faster and you have specific goals in mind, kind of address some of the low hanging fruit, which would be either follow a training plan or Take time and write it out. What day are you going to do the speed so that you're mentally and physically engaged during that speed and you're not running out the door after you get your kids off to school and trying to rush in this, you know, the speed? Because that's when injuries happen. Injuries mm-hmm. happen when we're kind of hodgepodging everything together. Mm-hmm. And so stuff like that, stuff like, I know we preach about this all the time, but strength. Mm-hmm. People don't do enough of it. They're not doing the right stuff. And they're whisking through it instead of being purposeful with their strength training. And this is a big thing the older we get. And I, you know, I don't think, I think all of us would agree of how important this is, but just some of those low hanging fruit things are super important to kind of, you know, address. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so coach Jen, you and I are both in our fifties. Is it ever quote unquote too late or too futile to work on running faster or as Carrie asked, I ran a sub two hour half marathon 15 years ago. I'm now 56. She is in her mid fifties, by the way, Carrie mm-hmm. is. Um, and she says she's struggling to maintain 12 minute mile pace over that distance. Any reason why I shouldn't be able to get back? What should I prioritize? And I have to say, Carrie, I think I'm a huge optimist. You really make me seem like a big old pessimist. So um, <laughs> I just love the... <laughs> The, the optimism. So, so can you address that? And is it too late? Is it futile? Is it possible as Carrie wants to think it is? Yeah, that's a tough question, right? Because, mm-hmm. okay, so if we have an athlete and this is Carrie, this is not you, but if we have another athlete that starts running in, in their forties and can they continue to get faster in their fifties and sixties? Yeah, 
probably mm-hmm. because they're new to the sport and, mm-hmm. and anything load and, and everything that they add to the sport just makes them faster for a while, mm-hmm. as long as they can stay injury free. But in Carrie's case, when you have a long-term athlete, mm-hmm. and she said she ran, you know, sub two hours, 15 years ago, can we get faster? Mm, yes, but we have to balance, consistently balance risk versus reward, which is very, mm. very hard as we age. Mm-hmm. So uh, as we age, we all know that we just get slower. And a lot of it has to do with what I always say, and I never felt it until I got a little bit older, but that it's basically the rebound and recovery. So mm. you go out for a run and you just don't have that pep. You don't have that rebound. And mm-hmm. can you go out there and run? Let's say your hard run is a 10-minute mile. Can you go out there and run 10-minute miles? Sure. But the ramifications and the risk of something like that is mm-hmm. tenfold at 56 versus 26 or 36. Mm. And so we have to be really careful. So a lot of things that we do as we age that really help people instead of things like going to the track, hammering through track sessions, which was super personal to me because it's my favorite workout. And I had to step Hmm. away from that Hmm. because I would chase the times that -hmm. I was able to do 10, 15, 20 years ago, which is futile. Mm -hmm. And then could I do it? Kind of, but then Mm -hmm. I was getting hurt and I was, Mm -hmm. you know, I couldn't training successful training is all about consistency and repeatability. So if we can't be consistent and repeat at fifth in our fifties, then that's when we know that the load is too stressful for our bodies. Mm. And it's funny because I used to remember one of my running mentors said to me, gosh, I can't, he's in his mid sixties now. I can't believe my 5k pace now is what I ran my open marathon in. And he Mm. said that to me years ago when I was much younger and I'm like, whatever, that's stupid. And now (laughs) I, I, this summer, my 5k paces were my marathon paces. So I think it's just a, it's a mind shift. And so Mm -hmm. can we get faster? Yes, in different areas of our in our in our training in our racing, but we just need to be smarter with it. And especially as we go through menopause and perimenopause and our hormones change, we just have to kind of attack things differently. And that includes like one of the things that I do now more is more hills mm-hmm. or more trails instead of speed. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of how I address the ability to try to get faster versus trying to kind of go hammering through some of the speed. Gotcha. All right. So Jen, then here's a follow-up that I think athletes of every age can relate to. And this question comes from Tracy and she says, I do intervals for tempo runs, slow runs and track workouts for speed. Is it inevitable to get slower the older I get? And Tracy says she's 67. And although her intervals can be faster for her an eight to 10 minute mile, I cannot maintain that for very long, more like 90 seconds. So I, I'm intrigued by that, that yeah, so okay, I can still achieve some speed, but you know, don't make me hold it for very long. Yeah. You know, that's just, it kind of comes back to the point of just needing to have probably some more aerobic endurance under yourself. So you Mm. can increase those, those intervals from 90 seconds to two minutes, to two and a half to three. But what you probably need to do is be a little bit more realistic with your speed pace on that. And -hmm. instead of going, let's say, for example, eight minutes, why don't you start at 10 and descend that? So, Mm -hmm do, you know, eight by two minutes, starting at 10 minutes and then going down to nine thirty, and then nine minutes. 
and see how the back end of the faster end of that feels. So mm-hmm. you can still hit it, but what you need to do is you need to kind of create a pyramid. So you start slower. As we age, we need to start slower and build into the workouts and build into the speed. And mm-hmm. what's happening is that if we attack the workouts at in our 50s and 60s, like we did when we were in our 20s and 30s, we get into kind of big problems. We get bogged down. We can't maintain that speed. So just invert the pyramid, start slower and build faster. Okay. I like that. All right. It's time for us to take a brief break to hear from our supportive sponsors. Stick around for more advice and insight on getting faster. Throughout this episode, coaches Jen and Liz talk all about the elements that go into getting faster, including being adequately fueled during your workout and post-workout for recovery. Whatever aspiration you're striving for in 2024, whether it is getting faster, going longer, or exercising consistently, Goo products can help you reach your goal. Goo has a bevy of products, and I only have 90 seconds here, so let's focus on gels and chews, which give your body an easily utilized form of carbohydrates to sustain your brain, body, and muscles as you put in the miles. Goo gels are a tasty, easily transportable, and easy-to-suck-down form of energy that come in nearly 20 flavors, including numerous ones with caffeine. My current favorite flavor is raspberry lemonade. I love its tart taste and that sales of this flavor help support running on native lands. If you prefer to literally sink your teeth into an energy product, opt for Goo Chews. These athletic gummies seem like candy, yet they supply energy and key nutrients like electrolytes and amino acids to keep you feeling strong and energized during all types of workouts. They're available in six flavors, and I'm a sucker for watermelon ones. We've got a great discount code good on all Goo products. Save 25% on all Goo orders of $50 or more with code AMRGOO25 at gooenergy.com. That code AMRGU25 at gooenergy.com. That's G-U-E-N-E-R-G-Y.com. Again, to save 25% on all Goo orders of $50 or more, use code AMRGOO25 at gooenergy.com. Rowing is the sport that lit my athletic fire, and it's burned brightly ever since my collegiate rowing days. I no longer row, yet I still appreciate the amazing full-body workout the activity provides. Hydro is a state-of-the-art, at-home rowing machine that delivers the ultimate full-body workout, working 86% of your muscles, including arms, legs, and your entire core. A super-effective workout takes just 20 minutes and is low-impact, making it an ideal cross-training cardio option for us busy, sometimes injury-prone runners. Hydro workouts are taught by Olympians and world-class athletes who are great coaches for folks of all fitness levels. The workouts are transporting. They are filmed outside all over the world. That's key this time of year. Even if you're rowing nowhere in your basement or garage, you can feel like you're in nature in far-flung locales. As a former collegiate and master's rower, I love that the Hydro has a patented technology that recreates the feeling of rowing on the water. It means while the workout is easy on my joints and ligaments, the motion also feels smooth and flowing. It's a lovely complement to running. With your order, you'll get free standard shipping, a 30-day risk-free trial, and a one-year warranty. Join the growing rowing community at Hydro. To save up to $500 on your Hydro today, go to hydro.com and use code AMR at checkout. That's H-Y-D-R-O-W dot com with code AMR to save up to $500 on your Hydro. Hydro.com with code AMR. 
Okay, Liz, I adore this question and it comes from Mary and it's kind of long, but let me read the whole thing. I really like it. And you all have touched on this topic before. Mary asks, how do I convince myself that I can get faster? I like the idea of getting faster, but I'm frozen by the possibility of failing. Like maybe I'm happier plodding along rather than confirming that I can't get fast. It's an illogical mental block for sure. So it seems logic can't seem to talk me out of it. I'm guessing I'm not the only one to ever feel this way. And I'm sure there's people who have overcome it. So what do you say to Mary, Liz? Mary, Mary, Mary. So... (laughs) You know, one thing that stands out to me is this idea of of failing. And I think we need to step away from looking at anything we do as either success, failure. A lot of that comes from school. I feel like school, especially long ago, it was like you either made the grade or you didn't make the grade. Mm-hmm. So I think if we can just look at this as not success, fail, but more like try or not trying. And it sounds mm-hmm. to me like Mary is interested in trying but she just has this idea wrapped around it of of why she shouldn't try. But you want to try, Mary. I can tell you want to try. So I would just ask yourself the question more of like, why should I do this? And why not? I mean, why not try and see if you can get faster? What's the worst that can happen? And if you if Mary comes back and says, well, I would fail. And I would go back to Mary and just say, and then what? I mean, nothing mm-hmm. changes, right? If you if you fail at getting faster and running, you're still Mary. You're still awesome. You're you're still somebody's daughter or maybe partner. You still, you know, mm-hmm. there's so many good things about you. And you just you tried this thing and you didn't fail, but maybe you learned that your body's not ready or that pace was too fast. So I would say just start to diffuse some of that fear not even by throwing logic at it, but just giving it some attention and asking that fear some questions. Okay, why are we not doing Mm. this? Like, what's the worst that could happen here? And who knows, maybe in the process, you do get a little faster. And, or maybe you realize, you know what? I don't like trying to get faster. I'm happy just plodding along. But I feel like, Mary, you need to give yourself a chance there and you need to find out. So don't be afraid to explore it. Go ahead and risk the failure. Or, I mean, failure is... Gosh, this is starting to sound like a Miles of Book segment, Sarah. But you I, know, I was thinking right? the exact same thing. <laughs> like fail- I just read this whole book on failure. Uh, it was called Right Kind of Wrong by Amy Edmondson. Mm-hmm. And it was just all about how it's not failure. It's just, it's just learning. It's just different shades of learning. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and I love your advice. Ask that fear some questions. Oh, yeah. yeah. That sounds kind of exciting. And Face it. A little woo-woo. I like it. Ooh, thanks. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so okay, Coach Jen, here is, again, a long question, a, a goodie uh, from Erin, and she deems it a different speed question. She said, so I'm already kind of fast for a recreational runner her age. She qualified for Boston by 19 minutes this past fall, and she's also going to be 45 this year, and she would love to keep getting faster, but at what point, age-wise, does that become unrealistic? I also seem to have hit a plateau over the past two years where gains are incremental if they happen at all. What can I do to keep getting faster at this point? And she says she follows Hanson's plans religiously for what it's worth, so she already does speed work. I love that question. So first of all, congratulations on qualifying for Boston, of course. Mm-hmm. I think that we don't need to necessarily put an age on when people start to decline mm. with their running. It has to do with your body's age as it relates to the sport, technically. So if you start running when you're 15 or 13, 
like Coach Liz and I, well, yeah, you're going to be slower when you're 50 because you're you've have so many miles on your body. But Aaron, if you started running at 37 or 38, you have years and years and years to get faster. What needs to change from what you're doing is the stimulus. You need to add in different things to your repertoire of training. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if you're following Hanson's plan, which I'm familiar with, that's great. I'm happy to hear you're following a plan. But are you doing things like, and you may be, but what about things like, you know, I'm a, you're already an advanced runner. So what about things like plyometrics, as long as you're mm-hmm. healthy, of course. Uh, and plyometrics are just from a, like kind of a layman's standpoint, they're just like short bursts of activity that target the fast twist, twitch muscles. So things like forward hops, things like mm. skipping rope. I skip rope all the time. It's kind of on my, I don't even know if Elizabeth knows that. I skip mm. rope all the time. Mm-hmm. And I figured. Secrets. I figured. <laughs> just in your basement skipping rope. Nothing else to do. Listening to my bad, trashy, warrant music, big hair bands. Um, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> squats into jumps, side jumps. Now, there's a lot of risk with stuff like that. But once we get to an advanced athletic situation, which you're in, Aaron, then start adding some of these things that will make you faster. So some of the plyometrics, I am a huge fan of of running on trails and doing some of the interval work that you have on the trails because trails, they allow for durability. They allow mm-hmm. for more strength, more dexterity with your ankle joints and your lower legs. And they're just a little bit softer. Mm-hmm. You know, Elizabeth mentioned strides earlier. So some strides and, you know, fueling, look at your fueling. Are you eating enough? Are you fueling during your workouts? So there's a lot of different ways to get faster than just doing speed work. And mm. it kind of goes back to my low-hanging fruit to, you know, conversation we had earlier. Can I jump in? Mm-hmm, yeah, of course. One thing I'm noticing here about Aaron's question is the word plateau over the last two years, along with I follow Hanson's plan religiously. Mm. So I'm wondering if it's also just time to change things up a little bit as far as the training plan. And Hanson's plan mm-hmm. is one of the many amazing plans out there. I believe it subscribes to more of a higher intensity, but the long run is very limited. Like maybe the longest run is around 16 miles. I could be totally wrong there, but it might be time to change that up a little bit. Maybe you add a little more volume or maybe you extend out that longer run and something simple like that could help you break through that plateau. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, and that also calls to mind, Jen, what you were saying called to my mind drills, and you talking about skipping rope. I mean, I'm thinking about like a skips and kind of grapevine or karaoke, not karaoke. Did I say that right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Karaoke. Okay. It doesn't mm-hmm. mean singing, you know, a Britney Spears song. Um, and so because mm-hmm. when I had a coach that had me doing those, I just felt like I had found a $20 bill in my jeans pocket. I mean, it was free speed. And, and I just wish that I could have, when I was, doing my best speed work with one coach, but who didn't have me doing those drills. I wish I could have taken those drills, added that in. And I just daydream about what my PR could have been. Absolutely. Run drills are back, you know, just the fundamentals of our run form and how efficiently we run. Mm -hmm. So adding run drills in all the time is, is really good. It kind of goes back to turnover too. Mm. You know, it's not, we haven't really talked about turnover, Mm -hmm. but we did that huge podcast Uh, maybe a year ago, a year and a half ago on turnover. And it's one that I share religiously with Mm. athletes all the time. It's actually, you know, in my library, I share it all the time because one of the things that 
athletes really need to pay attention to is, and that's, it's really important is cadence and mm-hmm. making sure that people's cadence is high enough. And we, for, for new listeners and people that don't know what that number is, we're always trying to look for people's cadence and turnover to be over about 164, just to prevent less time on your feet and to kind of prevent, um, injuries. Right. Right. So that's talking about taking 164 steps per minute, right? Correct. Yeah. And Correct. That you, and, With both feet. Yes. And yeah, total. Right. And that you don't, but you don't have to count to 164. Uh, <laughs> you can do it. You can do it by counting just the number of times your right foot hits the ground in 30 seconds. Right. And then yep. multiply that times four. Yes. Because that accounts for your left foot and the full minute. So absolutely. Mm-hmm. And it's usually on a lot of your watches. Mm-hmm. So something you guys can look at when you're reviewing your data is, mm-hmm. is that after it's downloaded. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, great, great. So, and can you tell I've been doing Duolingo math with that uh, 30 seconds right foot multiplied Impressive. by four. Yes, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So Liz, Nikki asked a question that's totally in your and Jen's wheelhouse as heart rate training coaches. She says, run slow to get fast for real. <laughs> Maybe there wasn't enough oh, scorn in, in my voice when I when I asked that question. I can, yeah. I can feel yeah. I can feel it in the in the way you typed it out. Uh, yeah. Yes, yes, Nikki, for real. Uh, and you would not be the first person to ask us this every day. Every day, it's a conversation I have with athletes. And listen, let's let's just be honest. Honest. None of us, none of you listening, are the exception to this rule. You are not this person who's going to go out there run in the gray zone, run moderate all the time and get faster. You might, if you're a beginner, you might, but it's going to be short-lived and you are not going to reach your run potential. So yes, we do need to slow down. And the reason being is you want to be going slow enough to be able to build the physiological adaptations to not just go faster, but to be able to sustain that and then grow from it. So we go slower because that's where those adaptations happen. Uh, what we would call maybe a zone one or two heart rate, maybe 75% of your max heart rate. And it feels easy. And if you're new to that type of approach, it's going to feel embarrassingly slow and you're going to have to take walk breaks and you're going to be going way slower than you want to. And that's, that's really important to stay patient enough to do that because if you stick with it, then you might find over a few weeks, oh, look at that, my heart rate's down, or mm-hmm. I'm going faster for the same heart rate. And then all of a sudden, you know, your, your faster starts to get faster. So it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a hard approach because I think we're wired to think that you have to work hard and grind it out and suffer and hurt to get faster. And mm-hmm. while that is true sometimes, mm-hmm. 80% of the time, you should be going easier and the runs should feel quite enjoyable and conversational and keeping that heart rate down. Mm-hmm. Well, and then Marianne has another heart rate training question. So Jen, how about you answer this one? Uh, Marianne writes, I feel like I have recently found success in training to heart rate zone four and five for interval workouts and shorter runs. Does this make sense? What do the coaches think of zone five training for speed? And if you could kind of also explain what zone five means and then address whether that's a good idea or not, please. Sure. Well, first of all, happy to hear that you're using zones. So that makes us very happy. Mm -hmm. So building on what Elizabeth said, that easy is that zone one, zone two is aerobic, 
Zone three is that tempo effort, which is what we would consider kind of like a half marathon. Mm -hmm. And then zone four is what we would consider 5K effort. And zone five is VO2 work or things like super short sprints that are under a minute or under 80 seconds. Mm. So speed work in zone five is okay in moderation, right? Because that's if you're doing, you know, eight by 30 seconds fast, eight by a minute fast. Yes, it is absolutely okay to have your heart rate in zone four and zone five, and it's productive. Mm -hmm. Key is to make sure that you, of course, probably goes without saying, it makes sure that you have that recovery in there and that your recovery heart rate comes back down to that zone one or low zone two. Mm -hmm. So that's how we have the sustainability and the repeatability with the intervals. Mm -hmm. So that's very, very good. In fact, one of the things that I think makes makes runners even better as long as they feel good, they're injury-free, and they're not doing 5Ks every weekend, is to jump into some of these races. Challenge yourself, push yourself, and kind of learn how to suffer. Mm. A lot of people are afraid of 5Ks, myself included. So get, get out there, sign up for a 5K, throw a bib on, and race, and see where your heart rate is, and see how hard you need to work in order to you know, work hard because then you have some baseline of, holy cow, that was hard. But I promise you, they get kind of a little bit easier and easier as we go through. Okay. All right. So Liz, Grace asks, can you talk about transferring speed from short distance 5k to long marathon or ultra? That kind of ties in a lot of what we've already talked about. So the biggest indicator of your marathon and ultra marathon paces will be your aerobic fitness, your strength, your foundation. When we get into those really long ones, your ability to fuel yourself properly, hydrate. So you know, I think that it's it's challenging when people take their 5K time and they try to extend it out to marathon. Mm-hmm. It's somewhat misleading, but as far as, you know, how do you keep building your speed from the 5k to the marathon? I would say just keep staying consistent with your training, build up your general endurance and fitness, maybe add in a little more volume if you can, like maybe add in another run each week, easy, see how that helps. And then you could do targeted workouts where you just keep extending that speed out and make sure your speed work has a progression. I find that people with speed work, they go to the local track workout and there's no rhyme or reason to it. They're doing one minute reps one week. They're doing mile repeats another week. You know, So invest in some type of program that can help you target that speed and grow it in a progressive way. Mm, that's really, really good advice. So Coach Jen, you've already alluded to strength training and how important that is. And Crystal's question on that point is, I'd love to know what strength training would go hand in hand with the effort to gain speed. Yes. So strength training is just like running. You have to be really smart and ease into it before you get started. Some of the key strength workouts that you know I like to see for runners doing are things that are obviously focused on your hamstrings, quads, and glutes. So things that a lot of you are probably doing, but just probably need to either bump it up a notch Mm -hmm. as far as the weight that you're doing or bump it up a notch to take it in different planes. So what I mean by that is, say, for example, squats. Well, let's we're going to do squats, right? Just normal squats. Great. And that's wonderful. But then let's add in some lateral squats, 
So we're working a different plane. Let's add in some backward squats Mm -hmm. when you step forward. So there's movement in different planes with some of those squats. And with strength training, you need to have a plan and so that you gradually build as you go. So make sure that when you have some strength that we're loading properly too. Mm -hmm. So when you start off, everything needs to start off with just body weight. Okay. Mm -hmm. Then once that becomes too easy and too easy is when you go through uh, two or three sets with 15 reps and you're like, oh, uh, kind of, eh. <laughs> then it's time to, mm-hmm. it's time to kind of bump it up and then put in five pound weights, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So things like, let's use, I'll give some examples of some really good strength exercises, squats, mm-hmm. hamstring curls. Mm. Okay. Things like single leg and double leg bridges. Mm. You can bridge and then you can lay on the ground, put your hand, put your feet on a ball mm-hmm. and kind of bring that ball backwards and forwards, which works on your hamstrings. There are things like something kind of like a Nordic, but the Nordics can be aggressive. I just talk about them all the time because I love them. But the Nordics are just when somebody's basically holding your ankles and you're on your knees and you're going forward and backwards. Now, I don't want people trying that because that's aggressive, but put a ball in front of you, a Swiss ball, and just go down about six inches and just try to get your body to engage your posterior legs, your glutes and your hamstrings and stuff like that. Um, and a huge fan of, of things, even things like when you're sitting on, you know, the, when you're doing your leg extensions and you're just raising your, you're sitting on the leg machine at the mm-hmm. gym and you're just going up and down with the, with the weights, mm-hmm. just stuff like that. And adding in some of the jump roping mm-hmm. and some of the hops mm-hmm. are perfect. But I also don't forget running is core and upper body too. So making sure that you do some full body strength is important as well. Okay. Good advice. So let's end with some specific anecdotal questions. And and here's the walking one. It comes from Jan who says she's no longer able to run and is trying to build her walking speed. She's doing one or two days of intervals, like one minute faster and then one minute slower. And she wants to know if you have any other suggestions on building walking speed. Sure. I have quite a few athletes who do walking, whether they're coming back into a training plan or they're training for something longer and they're not quite as durable. And one of my favorite things to do with them is incline walking. You do need to ease into this. Um, You can do this on a treadmill. And when I say incline, I'm saying 10 to 15% of an incline. Mm -hmm. So maybe she would take, if let's say she's doing 10 by one minute on, one minute off, she might start with, 10 by one minute at 10% incline and then one minute at no incline. And you'll be surprised. Your heart rate really gets up when you're Mm -hmm. doing that incline. And between 10 and 15% also, it loads the glutes and and the lower legs in a way that is very similar to running. So it actually can feel a lot like the same load as running. Your heart rate might get in the same place. Hmm. You can easily do this outside by just walking hills you know, maybe she has a hilly route she can do with just some gradual inclines. Maybe there's a great hill in her neighborhood that she can just power walk up it and walk easy down it. So mm-hmm. that would be my suggestion is start to play around with maybe the terrain or the inclined uh, mm-hmm. for some of your interval days. Hmm. Excellent. Okay. And then Jen, this final question is from Tiffany and she says, I cannot for the life of me get back to my postpartum paces. She's two years postpartum with her youngest, and it's just not happening. 
She's hired a coach in the past. She's been consistently running for 20 years with never more than a few weeks off. She says, I'm stumped and frustrated. I'm over a minute per mile off from where I want to be on my regular runs. What do you say to Tiffany? Well, first of all, (laughs) Tiffany, give yourself some grace first Mm -hmm. because it is so hard to come back. You're probably tired. (laughs) You know Uh what I mean? Uh Right? Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm listening to it and I'm like... uh, um, you're probably tired, but all joking aside, I kind of go back to the the thoughts of you need to mix stuff up. Mm-hmm. If you've been running for 20 years, that's a long time. Mm-hmm. And you know some of the workouts that make you feel good and some of the workouts that are working for you, but you probably either need one, fresh eyes on your plan. Two, you need to completely mix up where you're running. So instead of running the normal route that you run you know, every week, go drive somewhere if you have time with the with the littles mm-hmm. and, you know, try a new course. You need probably some strength training. Hire a personal trainer. Mm. It's the best money you'll ever spend aside from a swim coach. <laughs> Hire a personal trainer. Have him or her work with you for a session. And if you have time to see him or her, great. If you don't, have them put together a plan for you that's catered to you and, you know, your limiters and some of the things that you need to work on. And get into the gym or at home and do some of the strength, add some of the plyometrics that we talked about earlier, and make sure that you're dialing in your nutrition. Are you eating enough to manage the load Mm -hmm. that you have now? Because now you have another child. Mm -hmm. So are you just tired and not eating enough and the body's plateaued? So kind of really dig into some of that and see if any of those avenues work for you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think that's great advice for people, regardless of whether they are have a, you know, a two-year-old baby in their life, yes. you know. <laughs> we all need, we all need to kind of re- re-look at what we're doing for sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. I also have to say, I, I love that you all use the word durable so much and that it is to me a word that is very much free of judgment. And I like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So well done you all. All right. Well, I always adore talking to you too. So thank you so much for joining me once again. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks. Oh, I love talking to coach Jen and Liz. They just are so full of wisdom and been there, done it advice with themselves or their athletes. So just awesome. All right. And if you want more of run and life changing advice, I suggest you join us in Lake Placid in September for our annual retreat. We're going to have experts there who can give you equally great advice that you can take home and make important changes in your running, in your self-care, in just kind of the way you approach life. And we are going to be in Lake Placid, like I said, September 6th through 9th at a great resort that is right on Mirror Lake, which is in downtown Lake Placid, which is a charming Olympic steeped village. And Mirror Lake is free of boat traffic. It is one of my favorite places to open water swim. So it's going to still be warm then, and but the crowds will have eased out. So we're going to go running, swimming, hiking, have those expert talks, have great meals, share a ton of laughs, have a fabulous farewell party that involves karaoke, not the grapeviney type, but the actual singing type. If you're up for it, if not, you can just uh, cheer along. So it's loads of great fun, and I'd love if you'd join us. You can find all the details at anothermotherrunner.com and click on events in the top navigation. It's in the dropdown. Again, go to anothermotherrunner.com to find out all about our Lake Placid retreat and to register for it. Our podcast today was produced in St. Paul, Minnesota by Barry Medore from Fire on the Bluff.
sunglasses. I'm not reading anything. I'm just talking. Thanks for staying with us. This is Miles of Books, our bonus monthly segment that's a quick chat with Liz Waterstrat, a coach in our Train Like a Mother Club and one of my occasional co-hosts. You just heard her and her cohort, Coach Jen, talking about building speed. So hello again, Liz. Hi, Sarah. All right. So this is our first episode of 2024. So you have to let us know, what is your reading goal for this year? My reading goal is the same. Just oh, fi- okay. 52 books. It seems like a, a reasonable goal with everything else I, I have in life. So one book per week. Uh, I want to continue to share what I read on Instagram, which mm-hmm. if if people don't follow me and you want to see all of my book recommendations from last year, and I always put a few of the key points mm-hmm. that I've enjoyed from each book, I'll continue to do that. Good. And then one more goal one more mm-hmm. goal this year mm-hmm. that I would love to do in Miles of Books is to give everyone sort of a call to action every mm-hmm. time. Oh, give okay. you give you a little bit of homework to help make these books not just come to life a little more, but you know, I think it's one thing to read a book, but to actually implement it into life to take some action on it, I think is mm-hmm. a whole different level of, you know, leads leads to any types of uh, new things that you might be able to achieve and other possibilities. Oh, all right. I like you springing that on me. I didn't know that they were oh. going to have a goal for miles of books as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. And so you did admit to me before that your reading year is not off to a great start. You oh. said that you've been striking out with your reading so far this year. Uh, uh, you know, lament to us for a minute. Oh, Sarah, it's not good. So I'm pulling up my Goodreads app, which you all know I adore. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have read seven books this year, but Please do not be, well, listen, let's not be impressed by that because (laughs) first of all, it's been really cold here, which lends well to sitting in the master closet, which is the warmest room in our house and reading a book. (laughs) But I've read, I would say five of those books have been complete duds. And shoot, I, I know I will, I want to honor the work that people do. So I try to finish every book I started. There were actually two books I started that I could not finish. So they're not in Mm. my app. Wow. But there were probably five of these books where I just thought, where is this person going? Why did they feel compelled to write this? And Mm. why are there so many words and (laughs) so many examples? Oh, Sarah, I have to share this with you. I saw this thing on Twitter recently. And it was this person who was saying, that books should not be 350 pages. They should write for the reader and not the publisher. Mm-hmm. And I thought, this is somewhat, this is my kindred spirit. <laughs> you know, this person speaks the same language as I do because they get it. We don't have time to read 350 pages. But, um, but yeah, the, the year is not off to a good start. Mm, wow. I do have to ask one question. The closet, there is a place <laughs> to sit in the closet, is it? <laughs> Well, do or are you just kids, sitting on the floor? Well, your your kids are a little beyond this. So my kids have those giant squishmallows, oh. and they're kind of like these big beanbag like things, mm-hmm. and they're quite comfortable to sit in. So I will take a squishmallow in there with me and <laughs> sit on the closet floor, or I have a yoga mat. Um, wow. it's just, it's, we, we have an older house and the uh-huh. heating is not very well designed and we're not interested in sinking money into a <laughs> heating redesign of our whole house. <laughs> yes. So the warmest room is the master 
master bedroom closet. So we will all, my, my husband will go in there and take a nap. Do you ever go to the, to the closet, open up the door and he's already there and you're like, darn it. I was going to read in there. No, it scared the heck out of me because I opened the door and it looked like, like a mummy laying in there, like, like a dead body. And he's in there taking a nap. You have to put a sign-up sheet on the outside of the door. <laughs> yeah, occupied. <laughs> right. Oh, my goodness. Um, that's so funny because uh, my kids, we had a one beanbag, and then it has morphed into being that the pets sleep on it. So it's, you know. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. So whether the two cats get there first or whether our French bulldog does, that's the... <laughs> That's what it is. So I might have to uh, Google Squishmallow after we get off this recording. Oh, no, no, no. I'll send you a picture. We've got three of them. Very good. Thank you. I would appreciate that. Uh, (laughs) All right. But you have, it seems, looked back over your your Goodreads and found one book that you (laughs) would like to share, right? I did because we have to share this with the listener. Because you said, oh, it's no problem that you did not read any good books. I've read good books lately. And I thought, we will not be talking about fiction. This is my 15 to 20 minute slice of the internet here or the podcast world. And there will be no talk about fiction. So so I had to quickly scramble to find a book. There's finger wagging going on. Oh, no, you don't, Sarah. This is my time. I am the guest on this show. You are just the lowly host. Yeah. Next thing I know, you'll be inviting Allison. Yeah, right. You won't right, even need right, me. Right. Or or I'll Shanghai you and have a whole bunch of my uh, uh pickleball players on the next recording. <laughs> the regular oh, show. Oh boy. Yes. All right. Okay. So you have regained taken over the controls of this <laughs> and, and you're going to talk about one book. Yes, go for it. Yes. So the book I chose is called The Ten Pillars of Success. Secret Strategies of High Achievers by Dr. Josephine Perry. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I did not realize that I actually read one of her books a couple of years ago, mm. and that book was Performing Under Pressure, Psychological Strategies for Sporting Success. And that mm. book is, if there's anyone out there that loves research and wants something very practical, mm-hmm. that is that book. But this one I actually heard on another podcast called That Triathlon Show, and mm. I just loved the interview. So if you oh. if you're not really a book reader, I would go back and listen to her interview there. Okay. Uh, she was incredibly articulate and interesting. Um, she has a really interesting background. She has a background in communications and behavior change and journalism, marketing, public relations. Like she, oh. I think she just was one of those people that just wanted to do everything. Mm-hmm. And she became inspired about sports psychology after doing Ironman Melbourne in 2013. Oh. So. Oh. You know, she has like a PhD in political communication or something like that, but um, she now practices as a sports psychologist. Wow. So, yeah, I know. It's just, she sounds like a, just a really interesting person in the first place. Yeah, yeah. But I like this book. Uh-huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like this book. It was really easy to read. Mm. I'm looking at the page count. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. So the page count is 300 pages. However, Ooh. Mm-hmm. No, 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 no. This is different because the words are really big. The, the, <laughs> the print is big. Uh-huh. It's yeah, it's font. not uh-huh. like the the font, right? It's not like the teeny tiny like font that you need your glasses for. Mm-hmm. So she gets away with it. She gets away with the three hundred pages. 
<laughs> and does um, it not have a lot of words on the page? Because that's the the novel that I just finished was very dense. It had a lot yeah. of words on each page. Mm-hmm. No, there are not a lot of words. She has a lot of charts and exercises for you to do. So there's oh, some pages okay. that aren't quite full. So mm-hmm. it's a very, if if one could say, a very light 300 pages. Okay. Okay. Wow. That's a lot. That's a lot coming from you, Liz. That is high praise indeed. <laughs> it is. It is. Uh, I yeah. liked where she started the book. She talks about what success is and she just lays it all out there at first and just says, success is not winning. And I think it, you know, the start of a new year, I think it really pays for us to sit down and think about what our definition of success is. Mm. A lot of us think it's win, lose, pass, fail, all nothing. And really get familiar with what is actually a success because you cannot win at everything in all areas Mm. of your life. You cannot, Mm. you know, be the best at everything. There has to be some type of a lowering of expectations so that you actually can achieve success. Um, So she starts there and then she establishes 10 pillars of success and talks about things like belonging and autonomy, mastery, purpose, confidence, process, courage, optimism, insight, and gratitude. Mm-hmm. All right. And were there any that kind of stood out and really resonated particularly with you? I like that she started with the chapter on uh, belonging, because mm. I think that this is a really important place to start. And she just talks about how to succeed. We need to have positive relationships with people who support our pursuit of goals and to mm-hmm. me, that, you know, I thought about the entire AMR community or having Aww. a relationship with a coach or even your best running friend. We need those people in life who help us pursue the things we want to be good at. So she, um, at the end of every chapter, she has what's called a toolkit. And so in her belonging toolkit, she asked the reader to question not just who are the people that are supporting you, but also how can you help them? How can they help you? And how can you be stronger together? Mm, Nice. Okay. Any of the other 10 that spoke to you? Mastery really spoke to me. I love the idea that, you know, we are all on this journey in life and the journey is, is mastery. We're trying to expand our knowledge base. um, And that happens through the work we do, the failures we have, the successes, the learnings, And she goes back to saying, you know, when we just focus on winning, we really undermine that mastery process. And so I just loved that chapter. She also has a mastery toolkit. And, you know, my whole thing, I really love the idea of being curious. And she said a mastery mindset is all about getting curious. So this one Mm. really spoke to me. Um, I love that she has this uh, thing where she asked you to answer the phrase, if I were brave what would I do? Mm. And she's trying to get underneath imposter syndrome. Um, imposter syndrome, mm-hmm. first of all, it's very normal. Most of us have it. It's, it's actually a good sign if you experience it. It, it means that you don't think <laughs> you're the best and know everything. So mm-hmm. if you have a little bit of imposter syndrome, that's normal. But she said to diffuse that, just ask yourself, if I were brave, blank, what would I do mm. if imposter syndrome didn't have a hold on me? And I think when you go through that, it sort of releases you and it, it gives you a really good view on how that imposter syndrome might be holding you back and how beautiful something Mm. can be or how successful you can be if you just learn to let that go. Mm. I have to say, I'm, you know, we just recorded the how to build speed podcast that people just listened to. I feel there's so many, you know, themes that we talked about in there 
kind of running through what you're talking about with this book. Yeah. You know, the, the, you know, the support and the, our definition of success and the not letting fear rule you and that sort of thing. Absolutely. And I think, you know, the, the topic we talked about was how do you get faster, which is an outcome or an end goal. And so Mm. you could replace that with anything. How do I finish my first marathon? How do I do my first swim meet? And these Mm -hmm. 10 pillars of success are going to be part of that. It might be, how do I put myself in a position to get a promotion at work? How do I be a a more engaged parent? I I think the the process Mm -hmm. is the same for all of these things. Mm-hmm. I was going to ask, is her book, because you mentioned she's a sports psychologist and that she is in, has completed an Ironman, I assume other races, is this book aimed specifically at sports or it has carryover into other aspects of our lives? It's more than sports. She brings up some examples. Mm-hmm. And what I love about this is she doesn't get heavy on the examples, but she does mm-hmm. bring up some work-related examples. Um, so it's not just written for the athletes. Uh, and it's not mm-hmm. written for the coach either. I think it's just written for anyone who's mm-hmm. on this, you know, journey to be successful at something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay. So now you did say you're going to have a goal for folks who listen to this. So yeah. lay it on us. So the goal is going to be in the category of confidence. So she had a whole chapter of confidence and she felt that confidence is truly the foundation for success And it's the Mm. preparation that we do, that we put behind our confidence that helps us to sustain our success. So in her confidence Mm. toolkit, she has something called a confidence card. And I love this Mm. idea. Okay. So on a piece of paper, you would make a rectangle and you would divide that Mm. rectangle into six boxes. And you would have one box at the top where you write out what is your goal? So let's say your goal is I want to get faster at running. Next to it, your technical reminder. So something you're doing in the moment of getting faster that can just bring you back to the task at hand. So the technical reminder might be like, I need to relax my upper body. I need to turn my feet over faster. These are all things we talked about in the podcast. Mm-hmm. Then you're going to have a row and those two boxes will say, What's your motivational mantra for when things get tough? So this is a phrase that speaks to you. We have, people have these all the time. It might be like, I can do hard things or mm-hmm. uh, I am stronger than this. We, we all, some people mm-hmm. tattoo these things on their arms. So we all have a motivational mm-hmm. mantra that speaks to us. And then next to that, she wants you to think of three sessions or events that have gone well that have given you Mm. evidence because confidence requires evidence. So she's saying, look back for the evidence of where you have succeeded at going faster or, you know, Mm. preparing yourself for that fast run that you're thinking about doing or that 5k. Then the bottom two squares are three strengths that will help me perform well. And a strength of Mm. yours might be, I persist. I don't quit. I love a challenge. I stay positive. So just think about like, what are you good at doing that might help you in getting faster? And then the final box is I perform at my best when, and I, I love to visualize this before a race. So just think about like, what's the best version of yourself? Maybe go revisit that workout that you nailed or the race where you set a PR or where everything just felt effortless. And what were some of the conditions 
that allowed that to happen. You know, maybe I perform my best when I go to a race with my best running friend or when I don't race with a watch or when I, you know, truly believe in myself or when I've nailed my training. Just start to think about like, what is that? What does that look like? What does it take to perform at your best? And she calls that whole thing a confidence card. And I love it. You could do it on a note card. You could throw it in your mm. race bag. You can look at it anytime. And it just gives you that evidence and proof that you're prepared and you're ready and you're confident. So you have the right to be confident. Well, Liz, I'm going to turn this back on you and ask if you can do a confidence card before this episode airs, and then we can post it on our Instagram account, the at the mother runner. And then because then people who like me are visual folks yeah. who need to see this. Oh, yeah. Because then I'll also if you if you get to me in time, I'll do one too. And then we can stack them in the Instagram post. Sure. And then people can go from there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. We can do this. I can, I can do hard things. Uh -oh. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, good job. Not getting me talking about fiction. This was a fabulous book to talk about. So thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to fight the good fight for nonfiction, Sarah. <laughs> Folks go read tomorrow and tomorrow and no. tomorrow by Gabrielle seven. Oh, just go play, it. go play pickleball while you're at it too. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Always a delight, Liz. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you.